can take your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I think I need to qualify a statement. <clears throat> I've met several people from California, and I haven't met any of them that I haven't liked. That the ones that I've met have been very good people, and and uh, of course I try to avoid the ones that have rainbow-colored hair, uh, <laughs> or a gal walking down the street with a full beard. <laughs> Isn't it sad what the stereotype is of Californians these days? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and that's not who they are. I love going to Lancaster Baptist Church. They have a leadership conference there every year and haven't been now for a couple of years, and, and, but that's where Thane went to Bible College. They have a college there also, and, and uh, I do love the people there at that, at that church, just solid. And, you know, that's, that's the thing. You, you can go all over the country, and you can go into to solid Bible preaching churches all, all over the country, and you're going to find good people who love the Lord and, and love each other, and uh, that's good. I always had fun there. There was a couple of ladies that um, I, I went there back in 2007 was the first time, and, and the conference is huge. I mean, there's thousands of, of preachers and other people there, and and the, the auditorium is, I think, seats around 3,000 or whatever. And, and, I, and I come in, and, and I saw these two ladies, and they stand at the door, and I could tell they were talking about me. And that's, you know, it's nothing unusual when you're 6'8 and you're snow-white hair. Somebody's going to say something, but they just kept talking about me. And I'm like, all right. So I finally walk over there, and they said, are you Nicolas Cage? <laughs> See, so now some of you are never going to get that out of your mind. Everybody has told you that. No, I'm not. I should have played with it, you know, for a while. Well, yes, yes. After my last movie, I got saved, and I'm going to become an evangelist now and start a new rumor for Nicolas Cage. But <clears throat> oh, it's good. So I do love the weather out there, too. But uh, anyway, all right. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Still giving thought to the battle for the mind, um, and the, the, these verses came up this week in, in some of my study, or uh, anyway, I read these verses in one of my devotions or something, and, and since then have been chewing on these verses, a very powerful uh, statements are made here in the first six verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and dealing with the, the battle of the mind, and not only dealing with the battle of the mind, but but dealing with the the strongholds of the mind, and um, we're we're going to find in this passage that sometimes a stronghold is a person, and uh, here in this passage we find that uh, there were some false teachers that were uh, a stronghold in the in the lives of these believers that were. Uh, there in the church of Corinth. And so um, we, we just need to ask ourselves as we, we go through every day that are there any strongholds in, in, our, in our heart, in our mind, uh, in our walk that 
and the strongholds that are hindering us from being what it is that God wants us to be as believers today. And um, maybe the, the stronghold is, is unbelief, and you need to come to the point where you truly need to understand that uh, you are in a, a, a serious place in your life right now that uh, if you were to die, you're going to be eternally separated from God and you're going to spend an eternity in a hell that was not created for you, but that was created for the angels, the demons, and, and uh, that you need to come to the point where you need to trust Christ for forgiveness and understanding what he did on that cross for you and stop uh, believing in everything else and stop believing in yourself and start believing and trusting in the only one who can truly save you and trust in that sacrifice that was made for you. And, and I, I, that may be the stronghold in your life today. And uh, you, you need to, by faith, call on Jesus and you will find that when you trust him that he will show himself to be powerful in your life. And I pray that if you don't know him as your Savior, that today you get it right. You just never know when that day comes that your number is up. We, we did another funeral yesterday here at the church, and I, I can never say enough about how appreciative I am of all of you in the church family that help out with that, whether it's through prayers, uh, your, your presence here to help by bringing the, the food and helping out to serve, helping to clean up afterwards. I mean, uh, it's incredible to, to see how many people who have taken that on as part of their ministry, and each one of you are so appreciated. And Gary Norris told me, he said, Brother, the, the ladies in the church that, that do that meal, they need to write a book and, and hand it out in an instruction booklet to all churches on how to do funerals. <laughs> And uh, it, it is quite a system in how uh, that all works out. And, and for those that have, have been a beneficiary of that have told me over and over and over how, how much of a blessing it is that they can come and know that we have taken care of the order of the service, that we've taken care of the meal afterwards, and there's just not that that they have to be concerned about in and it is a blessing, and I'm and I am grateful that that we are able uh, to do that, and and uh, uh, truly thankful for your generosity. It's through your giving. You you guys need to understand. It's through your giving also that uh, we we take what you give to the church, and much of that is used to buy the meat, to uh, take care of the items that we use in a funeral. We spend thousands of dollars every year in helping our community get through the, one of the darkest moments of their life. And uh, God bless you for that. And it doesn't come from some grant somewhere from Big Daddy government. It doesn't come from some corporate office. It comes from you being generous and giving as God lays on your heart. And we're able to do all of those things and, and, and be a blessing to so many others that come through and and, and still pay on the debt like we have and I'm looking forward to having the new building with all of the, the rooms in it that we're going to have for the classrooms. The, uh, I, think, I think it will help expand QAM. I, I think that it will, uh, it's going to help further the ministries to, to growth and, and uh, 
just going to be some great things that go on with that. And in the budget, don't, don't you mind the budget if you see something in there about some kind of a commercial donut maker? Uh, just mind your own business, all right? And uh, <laughs> wouldn't it be nice? Holy Donut Shop. Uh, H-O-L-Y, donut shop. But anyway, <clears throat> so then we could have the holy holes, right? <laughs> we might have to send Gary Norris to South America somewhere where we can find just the right coffee bean for the coffee shop, too. Holy Grounds Coffee Shop. <clears throat> I'm the imagination, that see, we need strongholds. Donuts have a stronghold on some of us. But let's get into this. And <clears throat> you know what we're going to find? We're going to find that Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthians. This is his second letter. Actually, there was, a, there was another letter also that, that he wrote to the Corinthians. And, and so there were three, but uh, God only inspired two of those. And that's why we have them in the canon of Scripture. And and uh, God didn't see fit to put that other one in there, but we know that he writes this one, and he had written the first one really scolding them for all of the, the craziness going on in their church and all the worldliness that's taken place, and when you read 1 Corinthians, you'll find that, that, that he, he is uh, uh, really scolding them a lot for the things that, that they were allowing into their church and saying we're, we're okay, and then we write we find 2 Corinthians, he writes this now, and, and he's writing because he's found out how they accepted his first letter, and they had gotten a lot of things right. And, and he was so excited about that and was encouraging them now to uh, uh, continue on. And chapter nine, chapters 8 and 9, he was encouraging them to give an offering to uh, send to the believers in Jerusalem who had lost their homes, lost their jobs. They were truly being severely persecuted in Jerusalem during this time and and so they were collecting an offering to send to them and and, and to, to help them just to exist and 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 they were leading the example in in much of that and and along the way though we have that as Paul is doing this and commending them and and encouraging them there there was this group of unbelievers they were False prophets, he calls them several times, that had come in and, and they, were, they were trying to get the people at the church at Corinth to question the character of Paul. And they were starting to say things about Paul that, that were not true, that were slanderous and, and not right. And, and you see, that's what happens so often. And, and let us make sure that that's what happens with us is that when someone can't get the best of the message, they then go after the messenger. Let's make sure that our message is beyond their ability to contradict and to uh, destroy the message because the message, if it's out of the Bible, is true. And it will always stand and it will handle whatever the pressures are of the day and whatever the naysayers are of the day the truth of God's word will stand based upon the power of God. So just continue to give the word of God to people. Continue to love them enough to say, hey, here it is. This is what the Bible says, and this is what we ought to do, and this is how we ought to live, and just live according to the word of God. And, 
And you'll find that as you do that, so they can't get the best of your message, then they will go after the weaker aspect, and that's the messenger. And we are. We're weak vessels. We, we, are, uh, we are not perfect, and, and we have uh, holes at times and cracks, and, and God comes in and molds them and, and patches them and, and, and uses us even though we are a mess at times in our lives. And, and He works with us and purifies us and helps us with those things, but we are going to be dealing with what people are going to say. And what, what happens then is we are doing this, and we start hearing these voices of, of slanderous voices that are after us because they can't handle the message and they can't do anything against the perfect message, so they go after us. Then we start allowing those voices to live rent-free in our own minds, and what happens? It becomes a stronghold. And then all of a sudden you're living your life and, and you are trying to live ways that, that try to contradict what they're saying about you. And, and, and you are allowing them free rent in your mind and they just don't need to have that place in your mind. You just need to stay focused on the true message. You just need to stay focused on telling them what, what it is that they need to hear and do so in love and and so let's let's give thought to this today then and in the mind and let's think about the strongholds of the mind and and let's see how paul contradicted that and what he did with that and what we can also do with that in our lives today look at verse one now i paul myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of christ here is christ's example to all of us right his example and and he says, I, and, and that word beseech, I, I know some say, well, it's such an archaic word, but it, it has such a beautiful picture to it, and, and it really doesn't hurt for us to expand our vocabulary a little bit and, and understand some of these words. And, and, and beseech means the, the idea to urge or to exhort someone, but it also has a picture of, uh, of, of I can stand here and I can exhort Nick to walk with God, or, or I can walk down there, and, and I won't, okay, I, I don't want to mess with him too much, you know, but anyway, I can walk down there, and I say, hey, Nick, I, we need to walk with God, so let's get up and let's walk together, and that's what Beseech has the idea of doing, where, where you are going to come up beside someone and encourage them to walk in the way that they ought to walk, that, that's why it's so important that we constantly are working at building relationships with one another and, and talking to one another face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and sitting down. And, and, and I, hey, I do love to eat, okay? And so part of the reason we have so many fellowships is because I love to eat. You guys are all great cooks, and, so, and I enjoy that. But there's far more to that. There, there, are, there are so many relationships built when you are sitting across the table having dinner together talking to one another and you find out something new about somebody and you find out wow you know they're, they're they've gone through the very same thing that I'm going through right now and 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 they they're such a help today and 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 so how we need to have that and and that's part of this beseeching and so Paul was saying that I myself I beseech you I'm coming along beside you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ sometimes we're we're, we definitely do not live in a world today full of meekness and gentleness. We, we live in just the opposite. And why is that? Because the devil's world is of chaos. The devil's world is of 
pride and arrogance. The devil's world is of cruelty and, and, and nothing gentle about the devil whatsoever. And he is the very opposite of God. And so when you think of the good things of God, then the devil is just the opposite of that. And, and so if those things are going on in your life, you need to realize those things aren't coming from God. And you need to look and understand and know that with God, there, there will be a meekness in your life. And, and, and we need to have that meekness in our lives. And, and, and truly, the, the idea of meekness is the humility, the, the courtesy that, that we ought to have for, for one another. And I think a couple, you know, there's been a lot of good things that have come through the last couple of years. One of those is that it, it helps me um, to be kinder to, to those who are in service-oriented uh, jobs. It, it's a whole lot easier for me now to be kinder to them. It, it is. And, and in this day and age, when so many people are, the, the ones that are willing to work are working like dogs because there are those who just aren't willing to work. And so it's easier for me now, those who are in service-oriented jobs, that be kind to them. I'm grateful they're working. I, I, I hate to say this, but I'm, I'm even grateful for those that work in the drive-thru at McDonald's. They're working. I, and, and, I, and, as, and, and as a matter of fact, I think they've kind of gotten better because the ones that are there are working. <laughs> but so we need to learn to be courteous. And, and we need to understand that that people in our church body, in our church family that we have here today, we're all at a different place in our, in our growth, in our lives, and, and we need to come up beside them. And, and you know what? There are some times when, when we need to rebuke them, but there's a lot of times where all we need to do is just come up beside them and put your arm around them and say, I'm in this with you. Let's, let's do what it is that God needs us to do. I'm not here to, to, to do anything other than help you along the way. And, and oh, how we ought to do that. And that was an example that Jesus had given us. And Paul was representing that, that example in meekness and gentleness. And, and to be gentle, also to be kind, to be fair, and, and try to put yourself in the place where they are in, in gentleness of Christ, who in presence, now he starts dealing with what they are, the, the false teachers are telling the, the believers in Corinth who in presence am base among you. So here they're saying that Paul is a coward because when he comes to you and he's with you in person, that he's this small little guy, and, and I do believe that he wasn't a very big guy. I believe that he had some health issues, and whatever they were, some thought he had some kind of an eye issue, and I don't know whether he did. I know he had several uh, scribes who wrote for him, and, and so whatever it was, but probably diminutive in his size too and some of those things. But, and, and so they would say that, oh, when he comes uh, 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 in front of you as an apostle, but being absent and bold toward you. And so when he's with you in person, when he's in, with you in person, then he's some diminutive little subservient guy. But whenever he's away, he writes these bold letters like 1 Corinthians and scolds you and how brave he can be and you know, he's, they're saying he's, he's one of those Facebook warriors, you know. P people are far more willing to say things on, on social media than they are to your face. I, I like the good old days in the playground. You going to say that to my face? 
you know, and then you let them settle it. Oh, and I know, can't do that today. We got to wrap our kids in bubble wrap and all of those things. Look, there's nothing better than sometimes getting a fat lip and letting you understand that maybe you're not always the toughest guy on the block. Erase that all from the... Ah, <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's move move forward. And but we do. We just that they were they were picking on him, and and we just you know what we we need to remember the example of Christ. And uh, Jesus could have whipped those guys at any time. A couple times he did. A couple times he drove them out of the temple with a cat of nine tails with a whip and chased them out of there. But most of the time, Jesus said in Isaiah 40, verse 11, He shall feed the flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Isn't God good to us and merciful and kind? And let us be the same to one another and let us learn to, to help each other uh, uh, along the way and... and, and uh, be what it is that would represent Christ, and, and let them talk. Let them talk. That's, that's what they were saying. And then verse 2, we, we continue on. And, but I beseech you and that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now, you need to remember, Paul had some special gifts that were given to the apostles that we do not have today. And and he said, look, I, I want to come to you, and, and I want to come to you in the gentleness and meekness of Jesus, but, but these false teachers, these characters that have become a stronghold in your life, oh, we're going to deal with them. We will deal with them. Now, we, we, can, we need to understand the way that he will deal with them is, is he's not going to draw them out on the street in a fight or any of that sort. Paul had special ability. He could have come in there. You remember Simon the sorcerer. I mean, he, he, he told him to shut up. Told him, you're going to quit saying these things, and he shut up. And the, the girl that was coming along that was possessed by the demon and, and mocking them, and he turned, and he cast the demon out and, and gave that, and that girl had her right mind again. And, and uh, whatever it is, I mean, he could have come to them, and, and, and through God's power, they could have gotten leprosy. I don't know what was going to deal, how he was going to deal with them, but he said, I will deal with them. And we'll come to them and we'll deal with that. And, and the thing is, is that we, we just need to keep doing what it is that, that we ought to do. And, and those people that are going to do this that, that, uh, and say these things, that let them say what it is that, that uh, they're saying. And you prove them wrong, not by letting them play with your mind and, and thinking that you have to defend everything that you're doing. Just keep doing the right thing. We waste so much time trying to defend ourselves. When God does a better job at that, we just need to stay focused and stay, keep our minds straight on doing what it is that God shows us to do. Proverbs 10, verse 18 through 21. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. The tongue of the, joyce, of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many. 
but fools die for want of wisdom. Oh, there are times when we need to be just like Paul. We have Christ's example in verse 1. We have Paul's example there in verse 2. And, and, and then we, we see a, an astounding statement made here in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You know what he's saying? Don't take it personally. Don't, don't take it personally. God will deal with them and allow God to deal with them. And, and the thing that we need to understand in all that is going on in this day and age today, we need to understand that it is not a personal attack on us, it's an attack on God. And we need to understand that the fight that we are fighting today, even though we are walking in the flesh, and we are, here we are, we're in our body, and we are conducting our lives every day, we're going into this crazy world, and we're doing the things that we're doing, and, and we're walking in a way that is obedient to God's word, that, and we're, so we're walking in the flesh in that aspect, but here we need to understand that we do not war after the flesh. Our fight is not with one another. Our fight is not with those who are slandering you. Our fight is a spiritual war that is taking place, and the devil are, are, are using those voices, those people, those uh, whatever they are, to build up and be a stronghold in your life. And you don't need to allow that to happen in your life. Just live right. Live the way that God shows us in the Scripture to live, and it will be okay. God has your back. God is there with you. As a matter of fact, God is leading the way. God is on both sides. God is behind you. God surrounds you. God has encamped an entire host of angels around you to guard you, protect you, guide you, lead you. And, and he's given you himself through the power of the Holy Spirit who will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be telling you that you are reminding you that you are a child of God who will always give you the wisdom that you need to have in that very moment. He'll give you the words to say and he'll lead you rightly every time. Trust him. Trust him and walk with him and, and know that we just need to quit taking things so personally and stressing out over things that truly do not matter. What does that person's opinion matter in eternity? Nothing. Nothing. We look for the applause of one, and that's the only one that we need to be listening to. And then we see the weapons that we use in defeating these strongholds. For the weapons, isn't that amazing? You think about a weapon, you, you understand that, <clears throat> that it takes some volition of your own. It, it takes a will and a, and a movement to wield the weapon. I know this isn't very uh, 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 woke in Christianity to say that, that we are supposed to be on the offense, but you know what? Sometimes we are. There's a battle going on. We're not pacifists, okay? The scripture doesn't teach the pacificity at all in this. He, yeah, there are times when you turn the other cheek and there are times that, that, that you allow them to say the things that you're doing, but you also earnestly contend for the faith. And here we need to understand the difference and, and we need to understand there are times when we have weapons that we ought to be wielding and, 
using in our lives. Ephesians chapter 6, how powerful is this? You, you read in Ephesians 6 verse 10, and finally my brethren, talking to those of us who know Christ, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We need to understand that the battle that we are in is a lifetime battle, and the devil never takes a break. He's always after us, and he's always after to completely destroy you and everyone around you. People take this far too lightly and, and try to forget the thought that there is a battle going on, but it is going on whether you want to recognize it or not. And if you don't recognize it, you're probably losing. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Could you imagine if we were teaching our little guys in our youth uh, wrestling program that, hey guys, when, when the tournament starts, that first tournament, you're going to wrestle to the death. It'd be crazy, wouldn't it? But in the spiritual side of things, it is. We're, we're in a wrestling match to the death. And if we quit and, and, we, and you think, man, I don't have the energy to do this. No, you don't, but God does. You know what you need to do is you, you don't need to be so concerned about all the wiles of the devil, but you ought to be concerned about keeping your eyes focused on God and he'll deal with the wiles of the devil. You stay focused on what it is that he's telling you to do, and, and, and so you put on this whole armor of God, and, and you will be able to stand, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. All of those things are of the demonic realm. They're, they're not our government, and even though our government is wicked today in so many areas, they're still not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. Now, they might be listening to him and being used as a tool, and you know the tool that we need to use against them is the sword of the Lord. We use the word of God. We stand according to him, and, and we stand for righteousness, and we're outspoken in the things that God would have for us. But here, and so he goes on, and, and wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Look, the world today is truly seeking truth. Yes, there are those who are blinded, and they're trying to hold back the truth and deceive that, and, and, and the, the demons are trying to, to, to pretty up the, the falsities of the world and make that look true, but we know that it's not. People are truly needing the truth, and the truth is, is that all of us are sinners, and everyone needs Christ as their Savior, and you need to call on Jesus to be your Savior, and then you can live a righteous, holy life that God will be pleased with. And you can find joy and happiness that you'll never find otherwise. And so you are girt about with truth and that breastplate of righteousness, and your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Do you hear that? 
Do you understand that? Whatever the battle is, God can give you victory, whatever it is. Whatever the stronghold is, whether it's someone trashing you and slandering you and hurting your reputation, you know what? You just, you suit up in the full armor of God and you realize that it's not that person that that you ought to be so personal against and think that that person is the enemy. They're just being used by the enemy. And the enemy is somebody who's much greater than that one person. Know how we need to understand the spiritual fight that is going on and and stand and and understand that God has these things. And and so the weapons we have, let's equip ourselves with all of this. And remember back in 1 Corinthians 2, we, we looked at that last week, but there it's not with swelling words or exalting word, excellency of speech or wisdom, but weakness, fear, and trembling. And it wasn't with enticing words of man's wisdom. And, and we just don't need all of that junk that we don't need to impress people and we don't need to deceive people and we don't need to dress up anything. We just need to tell people the truth as it lies here in the Word of God. And it'll be okay. And we can win the victories that are in our lives. You can win the victory in your life right now with whatever is trying to dominate your life that is trying to get foothold and be a stronghold in your life. You can have victory over it today. And that's what he wants us to know. Casting down imaginations. Casting them down. Bring them down. Tear them down. Destroy them. Make them be gone. You know, there when when I was out of Bible college years ago, I, I worked um, part-time during classes with the maintenance department, and then through the summer I worked full-time, and, and the the school had bought a new piece of property out in the little town of Lattimore, North Carolina, and there were several old houses that needed to be torn down, and and so the the school, there was a man in the church that had a lot of big equipment, and he rented out the equipment to the church, and we, we had a big front-end loader. I mean, it wasn't a monster, but it was a, it was a big front-end loader, and, and we, had a, we had a backhoe, and we had a bulldozer, and, and we had a track hoe, and the track hoe had a five-foot bucket on it. I mean, it was awesome. You, uh, if, if any of you have one of those, what you do, you get a friend to get in the bucket, and you pull up the bucket where you can't get out, you lift it up as high as you can go, and then go. I wouldn't say that I did that because OSHA might frown at the school for letting us do that, but it is really a hoot. And so you got to play every once in a while too, right? Carl, you have one. Talk tie-in into getting in that thing. be great. But anyway, we had all that stuff, and, and I, I, was, I could run the – I was really good with the – front-end loader, I could run that and do all kinds of things, but it was the track hoe that we would use to tear down a house. And so Dave that was running on me said, hey, you want to run this and tear down this house? And I'm like, yeah, that'll be great. And so he's standing off to the side with Laura's dad is there and Frank and, and Dave and a couple other guys on the maintenance team. And I get in this big thing and, roll, you know, and lift up the bucket. I felt like Transformers, you know. And you go in there, and then I go, boom, you know, and you hit the roof, and the walls come down, and then I go, whoa, like that, and the bucket just goes right through the middle of the house, 
and it's coming right at all those guys over there. And they run like a bunch of girls, you know? I don't know why they do that. I mean, wood flying everywhere, and, and, and I'm, it was one of the greatest feelings I've ever had, you know, in running equipment. All I have to do now to be fulfilled is, guy, you have to teach me how to drive a semi. I don't know how to do that yet, but I'm going to learn. And so I'm, I'm sure I can shift gears. I watch Smokey and the Bandit, and so <clears throat> give me one of those. <laughs> we could, yeah, anyway. <clears throat> so anyway, you, and we tore the house down. I mean, it was great. You, know, you dig the hole, and, and, and we buried it all, and, and covered it up, and, and you can go there now, and that's been almost, it's, I said, almost 30 years ago. But you can go there now, and they have some dorms built on that. Uh, there's beautiful grass, and you can't even see it where that was at. And, and unless you were part of that, you wouldn't even know that there were houses there. I want you to know that, that God wants to take the strongholds out of your life, and he wants to plant something there that is beautiful and that you're past it and you move on. And no longer does it have that stronghold in your life. I, I, don't, I don't know what that stronghold may be. It might be that you're letting someone be a stronghold in your life. You might be letting anger, laziness, pride, bitterness, neglect of responsibilities, lack of submission, addictions, worry. Depression, any of those things can be a stronghold in your life and God wants to completely, thoroughly destroy it in your life. He wants you to be rid of it, whatever it is. And here in this one, the imaginations, the, what, whatever the imaginations are, what, what, whatever the thoughts, the reasonings, the, 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 the arguments that are coming up in your mind in, in these things, the justification of, of those things in your life, God wants to get rid of all of that in your life. Now, I'd be the first to admit that I have to battle with strongholds, just like you. And it seems like you can get control of one and then another one wants to spring up. And that's the reminder that it's an everyday battle that we cannot lose, but we stay right with God and we allow him to destroy them. You know what? He does give us victory over those and then he shows us another weakness in our life by those things rising up because he wants you to deal with it. And he wants you to deal with it with his help. You trust him. And so casting down imaginations and, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Whatever it is that rises up in opposition to, to the knowledge of God. In this situation, these false teachers had placed themselves in a place where they were thinking themselves to be higher than God himself. Paul did not say that they had risen higher than he was. They had risen higher and put themselves at a place where they were higher than God. Whatever it is, if we allow those things to take place in our minds and set foot as a stronghold in our mind, then we are allowing that thing or that person or circumstance or emotion to be bigger than our God. And it becomes a stronghold. Know how we need to get rid of those strongholds in our lives and God is showing us how to do that and bringing into 
captivity. I got to ask, anybody here ever been arrested? Chickens. Yay. Good job, Leonard. Glad you raised your hand. You're not afraid. All right, I'll ask you another question then, all you high and mighties. How many of you deserved to have been arrested? Yeah, thank you very much. So, <laughs> you know what he's saying here? All those imaginations, all those things that are exalting themselves higher than God, God wants to cuff them, he wants to bind them, and he wants to cast them out of your life where they have no authority in your life whatsoever. You know, the thing about that, too, that just comes to my mind, they might be bound, you know, like this, and maybe have shackles on, and, and, uh, but you know what? Sometimes they still might rear their ugly head, but what power do they have over you anymore? They don't. I mean, yeah, you might think about it, and, and they might try to bring up these voices and tell you how powerful they are in your life, but all they're doing is running their mouth and making those voices awful loud. But you know what? They're still bound. They're still shackled by God. They don't have the power over you any longer. Don't let it be the stronghold that they want whatever it is wants to be in your life, but you bring it into captivity. Every thought. Every purpose, every design, every plan, every mental perception, every thought that you have in your mind, allow them to be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let us be godly thinkers. Let us be godly doers. We'll be godly doers if we're godly thinkers. And let God's word permeate into the very depths of who we are, where it purifies our heart, cleanses our mind, and gives us the ability in his, in his power to walk in a way that is truly pleasing to God. And then verse 6, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Let's say you sitting here today and saying, God, it's here. You're right. In this stronghold, I want to do business with this, and I want it out of my life. And you know what you do? Well, you confess that to God, and you confess it for what it is. It's a stronghold in your life, and you don't want it in your life anymore. You know what he says then? Be prepared. Be ready to do war. And fight against the stronghold. Because it doesn't all of a sudden just collapse. Sometimes maybe it does. Sometimes maybe it's like the walls of Jericho. But other times maybe it's like the battle of Ai. You've got to go after it again. And again. And again. Before you finally get victory. But he'll give you victory. But you need to be prepared. And you need to have a readiness of mind. And readiness of heart. But God, I'm serious. I want this out of my life. Okay. That's what he says. Okay. Let's, let's get rid of these strongholds of disobedience and let us revenge. Let's carry out justice. Let's punish and avenge all this disobedience. And let our obedience be fulfilled.
in our lives. That's what we want. I know that is. I know that's why you're here. So let's be obedient. Let's be obedient to God's word. Let us recognize the strongholds that the devil, and not just the devil, we want to blame everything on the devil. Some of us just our own wants and desires, our own flesh. And we've allowed that to become a stronghold in our life. If God, I'm telling you, if God in that still small voice is bringing something to your mind right now, that's a stronghold that he's trying to help you with and wanting to help you with. So confess it to God today and prepare to do battle. And let us win. Let us win over the strongholds and let us give testimony one day. God, you have given the victory. It is you and your power that has done something in my life that in myself, I've battled this my whole life and I've never been able to beat it. But with God's help, he gives us victory. Oh, how we need that victory. It starts by getting rid of unbelief. Call on Christ to be your Savior. And then trust him not only to save you, but to deliver you from whatever it is so that you can be obedient and do the very will of God in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your love, your mercy. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness. I, I, I thank you for answered prayers that, that you've given to. I thank you for little Briar that is able to be here today. God, just a miracle in your power. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, just as you saved his life and and you restored his health, and he's here today. Father, you have the power to help us to defeat whatever the stronghold may be in our lives. Help us not to allow it to live free rent in our minds and in our hearts any longer. But let us cast it out. Let us evict it. Let us destroy it. Where no longer is it any part of our lives. Lord, we need your help to do it. You know that. You created us. You know the very issues that we're having right now. And Father, I pray that each one of us would lay those down today and do battle and with the, the imaginations, do battle with Satan and his demon posse, with our flesh. And Father, you'll give us victory to be the obedient believer that you want us to be. Whatever the needs are, Father, I pray that you meet them today. And I pray, Father, that when we walk out of here today, that our hearts are right with you, that our walk is encouraging. And that, Father, we are equipped today to be what you want us to be. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.